What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 199 of the Core Consoles RX podcast. Cole, we're almost there, man. Are we? 200, and then we just shut it down. So it's now when we make a plan for 200. Oh, dude, I'm way ahead of you. <laughs> I've already got our guest ready to go. We're going to keep it a secret? Sure. Okay. I think you know who it is, but... <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling. Yeah, yeah. We talked, and he's like, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> Perfect. That was easier than I thought. So Turns out we didn't need to make a plan. We didn't need a plan, because it all works out. And then, you know, until eventually it doesn't. So... Someday it 200. Won't. Maybe 300. Maybe 300. Yeah. So, it's been crazy. But uh, 200 episodes, man, that's crazy. I know. It's wild. Well, I'm sure we'll reminisce. Well, actually, we might not have time to reminisce on that one. Yeah. So, maybe we'll reminisce now. 200 maybe. episodes, that's crazy. Let's just talk about it <laughs> for 30 minutes. Though, yeah. um, how about this hurricane thing? You know, I, I bet you you're not worried at all. So, I admittedly have not been following it. I had until this morning when I got a notification that it got up, or yesterday when it was upgraded to a hurricane. Is it is it on the way towards us? Because last time I heard, it was like coming through Florida and potentially going like towards the Gulf. Well, if you look at the cone of uncertainty, ah, right, right, cone of uncertainty, right, it could be anywhere between us and like yeah, the Gulf. So we have no idea. Oh, but perfect. my kid's daycare is already closed. You know, they're making all these preparations at work and. I don't know what we're going to do. So hmm. it's those sorts of things that are annoying, even though it could just totally bypass yeah. us. It sounds like we will for sure get heavy rain, but. Is um, it a one? Um, I, I don't remember. Okay. It was like ebbing and flowing. It's called Ian for okay. anybody listening later and you're wondering which hurricane we're talking about. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I did hear people that were talking about it today, but I yeah. got to admit I've not been following it. In Charleston, we have to worry about them a little more than maybe somebody else, other people across the country. But yeah. we haven't had anything significant We're in over, years. Overdue for one, I think. That's what they say. Unfortunately. That's what they say. So there's one on its way. We'll see. Yeah. So if we're not back next week. We're well, we'll be here. It's because the studio pretty flooded. Sure. Yeah, pretty, well, hopefully we're on the top floor. I feel like we'll be good. <laughs> yeah, we can at least record. Wade through and record. Yeah. <laughs> Priorities. Forget people. about the rest. Priorities. So today, we are going to be doing another accredited episode, thanks to our friends at FreeCE.com. So after this episode, uh, you will go to the link in the show notes if you are an unlimited member of FreeCE.com. Click that link. It'll take you to the learning modules for all the podcast episodes that are accredited, and you can do the post-activity test. Um, when you first pull up the post-activity test, it'll ask you for a password, and you will use NEWHF. N-E-W-H-F, and that's all caps. That'll let you take the test, quiz, whatever you want to call it. And after you ace that, you'll get your one hour of continuing education credit for pharmacists and nurses. And uh, if you are not a member of FreeCE.com, you don't have an unlimited membership to have access to all of our accredited episodes, make sure you check out uh, their library of, of learning opportunities. They have a bunch of different really good modules on there, um, live courses, all kinds of stuff. So make sure you check that out. There's a discount code to getting uh, the annual membership as well um, in our show notes. So check all that out. Big thanks to FreeCE.com, as always, for uh, continuing to work with us. And the reason the password is new HF is because we have a, we'll, we'll call it new just because that's, we already made the password that, but we could have it's made a it newish HF. Newish, yeah. I mean, the newish medication class that is now. Um, or newest. New, uh, there you go. For class wise, yeah. Class wise. So, you know, from a heart failure standpoint, we haven't had too many new medications that are, you know, kind of moved up to first line options for various types of, of heart failure. So not just F, you know, REF, but also preserved ejection fraction, HEF, uh, MRF, 
Um, you know, is, is also indicated uh, in those patients as well, but it's our SGLT2 inhibitors. So we wanted to kind of do things a little bit differently. Instead of going through a disease state, we're going to kind of basically uh, just kind of discuss some of the trends of SGLT2 inhibitors and how we got to the point now where we're using them in patients with heart failure, even if they don't have diabetes. Right. Because yes. it started off as being a diabetes medication. That's important, even patients without diabetes. But we've touched on them in the past. I yeah. think we did an episode highlighting uh, their use in HEF-PEF. Uh, in the heart failure episodes, like the guideline episode, I'm sure we referenced it and kind of mentioned the trials and things like that. So today we're going to go a little more in depth so you can impress your uh, colleagues with all your knowledge about the trials Oh yeah, and the names of the trials right? and yeah. why we use what we use and what might be preferred over other ones, right? So right. it's just like early in the, what, the cardiac benefit phase of the SGLT2s when, you know, Farsiga was running around before they had a trial out saying that it was a class effect and all that kind of stuff. And they want to say those same things about uh, the heart failure benefit now, but we don't really have data to support that. So we're going to talk about what is preferred. Yeah, yeah. And and I think, you know, we'll, if we start kind of at the beginning, um, when, you know, why we have some of these, these cardiovascular studies in the first place, um, when these new medications classes came out, you know, the DPP-4 inhibitors, the GLP-1 receptor agonists, the SGLT-2 inhibitors, the FDA required them to do basically cardiovascular safety data um, and renal safety data too, because we knew that they would, would lower, you know, the blood sugar in, in patients' A1Cs, but we wanted to make sure they were also safe from a cardiovascular standpoint. And so if we're looking at some of our DPP-4 inhibitors, for example, um, you know, we see like the Savior Timmy 53 um, study with saxagliptin, there was an increased risk um, potentially with, of heart failure with um, saxagliptin, you know, whereas the, the citagliptin, we didn't really see the, that same risk. There wasn't a benefit, um, but, you know, we, we didn't see the risk associated with it. So just because something's in the same class, we know that they're not created equal. And so these FDA um, you know, was requiring these, these cardiovascular safety studies. And so it kind of all, you know, it started off with, um, you know, just basically patients who had type 2 diabetes and were taking one of these agents. And, and initially, the dipagliflozin, canagliflozin, and, and impagliflozin were the three uh, only options available. And now we have ertugliflozin, or, um, or stiglatro is our newer option, and we'll kind of discuss that a little bit. But basically, you know, the, these were being utilized in patients with type 2 diabetes. They were kind of a novel agent at the time, you know, 2015, 16 time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, the, so we knew they were lowering A1Cs. And so we, we included only patients with diabetes in these studies. So um, I have the, the Canvas trial pulled up. Just you know, this happened to be the first one that I pulled from um, 2017, New England Journal of Medicine. And this was the canagliflozin study. And uh, basically, you know, what they ended up finding at the end of the study was um, that there was not just cardiovascular safety, but there actually was um, a what seemed to be a cardiovascular protective aspect of these. When they look at the primary compositive cardiovascular mortality, non-fatal MI, non-fatal stroke, um, there was a, a significant um, difference between canagliflozin and placebo for non-inferiority and superiority. Um, and then when you look at, uh, for example, some of the secondary outcomes, um, one of them that sort of stands out is the uh, hospitalization for heart failure, um, cardiovascular mortality, and hospitalization for heart failure composite. 
um, as you know, as well as some other uh, options there. Um, the renal uh, effects also were were impressive enough to like all of these agents started looking at renal um, protective properties of these agents as well. Um, but the the heart failure ones because we haven't had a new medication, especially when it comes to like cardiovascular mortality and heart failure and quite some time probably what spironolactone and tresto was probably mm-hmm. the newest one yeah um, but that's still you know kind of in the same pathway but we haven't had a new like add-on class in quite some time right right um and so the and before that so canvas and there was also went on to be with canagliflozin and credence which was looking at renal outcomes and we saw that with um with uh other ones as well. So I had Impreg and I was looking at Impreg a little bit too, which I guess was a little bit before Canvas. Yeah, I think um, it was 2015. 2015. But similar outcomes, not exactly the same if we want, but we're not going to get into all of that today. But similar outcomes as far as um, improved cardiovascular mortality, um, non-fatal and my non-fatal stroke. The composite was a number needed to treat of 62. Um, a reduction in all-cause mortality, number needed to treat of 38, and cardiovascular mortality, number needed to treat of 45. So really good outcomes in the Emperor study. And they also had secondary outcomes looking at heart failure hospitalization, heart failure hospitalization, or cardiovascular mortality with pretty reasonable numbers needed to treat. Um, and so that's what prompted them to go on and, one, go on and look at renal outcomes, and then two, after that, I believe, go on and look at the, um, the association with heart failure. Yeah, and do you remember um, kind of jumping back? I know kind of jumping around a little bit, but jumping back to canagliflozin. Do you remember the adverse effect that everybody was talking about with amputations? So I remember I was sitting in a drug rep dinner, and um, you know, to the guy's credit, he was trying to, you know, to explain the positive aspects. And when you hear that there's an amputation risk, the people all of a sudden start tuning out the the whole heart failure Mm -hmm. benefits and things. Um, So to his credit, you know, the the physician that was talking, I think was trying to like, well, you know, that is something we're looking into, but look, heart failure benefit. And I remember him saying like, well, if you really look at the the data, it's it's mostly just toes that are being. It's it's just the small piece, right? The small things. It's not like like their whole leg or something. Come on. It's not their whole leg. It's just a couple toes. It's like, who cares about a couple toes? Just being like, that's a hard sell, man. I know. (laughs) But um, I, it, they really were thinking that was going to be a, ultimately a class effect. Right. Um, but Especially on the heels of Empereg, which was first and didn't have that adverse effect. So there's obviously the adverse effects that we know about um, genitourinary infections, um, hyperkalemia, right? Yeah, it's going to raise, raise potassium. Yeah, um, volume depletion, that sort mm-hmm. of thing, possible kidney injury in the short term. So there's those sorts of things that was associated with um, Invokana as well. But then it got that. What 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 was the exact terminology they used? Small digit. Um, uh, um, I think it was risk of amputation of small of small something. Digi- yeah, anyways, I can't, they I can't did remember. they did they did specify that it was just the toes. So yeah, that was a little bit concerning. And at the time, at, smacked my mic. The microphone. Two hundred episodes. This is the first time I've smacked my just mic with my hand spontaneously, <laughs> just talking with my hands today. Um, but at the time, Invokana was the top seller, mm-hmm. right, of the three. And then I remember being at a drug lunch wasn't a dinner uh, hmm. at a doctor's office where a farsi it wasn't a farsiga rep it was actually a physician coming to speak on behalf of farsiga and everything mm-hmm. and really trying to sell the class effect thing like i like you mentioned like i was referencing earlier this is what i was thinking about but at the time there was no they were working on the declare timmy or, or whatever yeah, but yeah declare timmy the, there's only canvas and impa out and so we didn't really and there were differences between the benefit you saw with the two and they're not apples to apples type of trials either as far as the inclusion criteria and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but still it, it was hard. It was still hard to say, why would I do Farsiga when I know that 
Jardians works. You know? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I remember even like with my PA students, kind of like saying Farziga, garbage. Right. Jardians. Was, it's just because we didn't have the info. Right, and and you know, I do. Rem- I remember that as well. The the Tepeco flows and reps coming around talking about like, well, it's a class effect, so we're going to see the benefit regardless. Well. You know, you look at the the Declare Timmy fifty eight study that came out in twenty nineteen. Um, now, granted, they when you compare this to like the um, the, the Emperor outcomes and the Canvas, the patients that were included tended to be a little bit more, um, a little bit higher cardiovascular risk. But the primary composite, as far as you know, the the mortality, non fatal mind, non fatal trick, that actually wasn't significant. Um, now, when we look at cardiovascular death or hospitalizations due to heart failure, that composite, that was statistically significant. Um, same with the renal composites. And so, you know, the, the Pagliflozin kind of realized that they didn't have the same primary outcome results that their competitors did. So they went hard on the heart failure sort of uh, benefits there. So they yes. immediately kind of started pushing towards how can we utilize these in heart failure patients, skin, renal patients. And, um, you know, they started working on their like DAP HF trials, um, which came out not too much longer after that. It was the same year, well, 2019. So I yep. mean, they were already obviously working on that, but they, I'm sure preliminary data kind of pushed them then to, into that, uh, I space. wonder if the data from, I, I suppose it probably did. Impereg and canvas prompted them to do the DAP HF ahead trials of time. ahead of time. Probably. Yeah. I have to go back and look and see exactly how long, uh, or like when those studies were, were started. Um, but, you know, I think that, uh, you know, when it comes to patients who, you know, are, were included in those studies, um, you know, we think of these being like diabetes medications, but, you know, the way that they're working is they're, they're blocking some of that reabsorption, basically lowering the, the threshold of a reabsorption of glucose um, from in the uh, proximal convoluted tubules. So you're excreting more glucose in the urine, but you're still absorbing enough glucose to keep you technically from going hypoglycemic. And, and so if, when you give these to a patient who does not have diabetes, they should still be able to maintain um, their, you know, euglycemia. Now, same kind of concept, you know, different mechanism, obviously, but same concept with like a GLP-1, since these aren't prone to causing, at least as monotherapy, aren't prone to causing hypoglycemia, um, they can be safely used in patients that do not have diabetes. But I feel like that's something that gets kind of overlooked. Like we almost like just assume it has to be a diabetes plus heart failure in order to right. use these. But um, no, I, I would, you know, keep in mind these are first line up, especially in HFRF. These are like should be first, you know, line therapy along with beta lockers and Arnie and, right. you know, the standard of care. Yeah, if you if you talk to the up-to-date uh, authors, for instance, they, they kind we of... We talk to them all the time. I know. We're just we're bu- we're <laughs> we're buds. buds. <laughs> we're buds. We're buds. Um, they would say do the do the evidence based um, uh, medicines first the three that are evidence based plus the loop and then they say consider spironolactone next and then SGLT two but it 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 really depends you know it, it it depends on the patient I guess but these are would be a very reasonable option to do I wonder I guess, when they published that did you do you remember offhand if when they actually made those recommendations for heart failure because the April twenty twenty two was the new heart failure guidelines that said basically all th- five medications, including SGLT2 inhibitors and aldosterone antagonists, should kind of be utilized. Last updated September 1st. Of this year? Yeah. Up to date. You need to be a little bit more up there to are date. Just, they're just opinions. You know? Well. You can you can fight with it them. It doesn't affect my, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't match my opinions. So I don't like <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. We're very opinionated here at Core Console. But for a while, we've been kind of saying that, and it's, it's not like they say, 
don't use it, but they they kind of say even with the aldosterone antagonist, they kind of say they still need to be symptomatic. Like if they're not symptomatic, then you don't have to add that on necessarily. So they kind of say the same thing about the SGLT2. So anyways, um, there's definitely data to support using them. But I did, you mentioned the mechanism of diabetes. I did want to mention that in heart failure, they're not entirely sure what exactly is uh, the mechanism that benefits patients. And there's multiple things that it could be. So I just want, or maybe all of them together. So I just want to go over a couple of them. Um, so for one, they promote osmotic diuresis and naturiuresis, getting rid of sodium, uh, in patients with or without diabetes. So that reduces preload, which is positive. Uh, they may also have vascular effects like improving endothelial function that promote vasodilation and that reduces afterload. Um, it's also been suggested that they may improve myocardial metabolism, which improves cardiac efficiency. Uh, they may inhibit sodium hydrogen exchanger one isoform in the myocardium. It's a long one. And they may reduce cytoplasmic sodium and calcium levels uh, while increasing mitochondrial calcium levels. They may also uh, contribute to, let me see, um, oh, of course they have beneficial effects on renal function, which can improve outcomes in a heart failure. And they have also been shown to reduce the risk of atrial arrhythmias by kind of an unknown mechanism, but it might include reductions in atrial dilation, inflammation, oxidative stress, things like that. So there's a lot going on that... that but they don't think it's related to their glucose lowering effects, which is why we see the benefit with or without diabetes. And and I, I pulled this up on the screen. So, so for those of you who are watching the uh, video version, um, this is a really cool like diagram that kind of shows um, their effects for p potentially like, increasing hematocrit. Um, weight loss obviously can play a role, um, but then also like Cole was talking about the increased urinary sodium and glucose excretion, leading to that diuresis reduction in ventricular preload um, as well as afterload. And overall, that improved ventricular loading conditions. Um, kind of just from a for those of you who like pictures, I'm a big picture guy, so figure I, I know I, I read my son books now, and they're all picture books. Nice. And I'm like, this is great. I, you know, people ask, what was the last book you read? I'm like, Little Blue Truck. Little Blue Truck, it's great. He's, little, little Blue Truck, Little Blue Truck, Springtime. Little Blue Blue Truck, the kid could. Is that what? Is that Thomas no. the Chain? That was a different guy. This is different. This is uh this is more of a. A nice truck that helps another truck to get stuck in the mud. Oh, that's nice of them. It's endearing. It is. It's nice. I've been reading my uh, my son's uh, Star Wars comics. I don't think he understands them yet, but I'm enjoying them. <laughs> they're like he just uh, stares at me like, "What are you doing, dude?" They're, they're like, "How many books have you read? You know, since summer 2020, <laughs> like 50." Yeah, yeah, you know? really quick ones. Well, it doesn't matter. I've still read them. You're talking about uh, people who are like, you know, have you read the 100 most influential? Yeah, books? you know, people who are all about like, yeah, the last book I read was such and such. What are you reading right now? Oh, well, you know. I've read a whole bunch of stuff. Pharmacotherapy, what are you doing? <laughs> You're reading stuff that doesn't exist. <laughs> That's what I do. I immediately get aggressive about it. I actually do that like just smooths read. things right over. <laughs> that's, a, that's how Mike makes friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, what are you reading? That's a dumb book. Could you imagine? Um, all right, so uh, I guess what, do you want to start with um, the paglifosin for heart failure, the DAPHF? Sure. Um, so like Mike said, DAPHF was released in... Uh, New England Journal of Medicine in 2019. So this, ultimately, what it found was um, these are HEFREF patients, uh, ejection fraction less than 40, with or without diabetes, adding on dapagliflozin decreased cardiovascular death or worsening heart failure as well as all-cause mortality. Um, just to get into some of the specifics, so uh, with the primary outcome, which was 
worsening heart failure, um, which they consider hospitalization or urgent visit resulting in IV therapy for heart failure or cardiovascular mortality. Uh, it was 16% versus 21% in the placebo group. And this is, of course, added on to like um, evidence-based therapy as well. Secondary outcomes were cardiovascular death or heart failure hospitalization. That was significant. And then they, uh, in a lot of these studies, they look at the Kansas City cardiomyopathy questionnaire, uh, which is like a symptom score, and they call that the KCCQ to see if that's improved. That was also improved. And they also looked at worsening renal function and all-cause mortality by itself, but they didn't give a, a p-value for that. I, it seems to be significant based on the confidence interval, but they, they didn't actually give a, a yeah, It's kind of weird. I don't really understand that. Like, now nah, we're not giving you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, that seems sketchy. You can guess. Um, but like Mike said, this is the first one that we had with heart failure. So that was like big news two, three years ago, hot off the presses was, you know, Oh, we've got SGLT2, STAP, HF. This is the new thing with heart failure. And one thing I do want to point out too, like if, for those of you who have the video version, um, if you look at the baseline characteristics, for those of you who are wondering, this website that I'm using is, um, a wiki journal club. If you haven't checked that out, it's, it's a really good list of summaries of, you know, landmark trials. They go through like four levels of, um, you know, edit, editorial review and to make sure that they're actually accurate. So it's just don't let the word wiki fool you. It's that they are definitely uh, reviewed and signed off by. Are they associated with Wikipedia? I don't think so, but I haven't done. I'm not sure. I don't think so though, but I do know that eventually like the fourth line of like kind of uh um, editing is done by the, like a, the chief medical officer or chief medical editor that basically signs off on it, and he's a specialist in that space. So just kind of looking at uh, the baseline characteristics, if you look at the heart failure medications, 93% of patients were on RAS suppression, 96 were on beta blockers, 71% were on um, aldosterone antagonist, 93% were on diuretics. So it actually fits exactly with the way the new guidelines from 2022 kind of Add right. the SGLT2 inhibitor in with those, you know, as part of those five, you know, primary medications that we're using. Um, it, it fits in there nicely. And only 42% of patients in the study actually had diabetes. Right. So less than less than half actually had diabetes. That's an important thing, too, I think. Yes. And but both groups with or without saw yeah. benefit, which is important, though. It's important to note as well that it's type two diabetes. Type one diabetes is a con- excluded is yeah. excluded. Um uh, or anyone, even I guess if they have type two, but they're prone to ketoacidosis. Mm-hmm. I saw. Yeah. Uh, it can, it's like euglycemic ketoacidosis. Yeah, it's kind of a weird situation. It is strange. Um, so that would be a contraindication. Also, um, if they so in DAPA HF, for instance, they excluded patients who had current decompensated heart failure or heart failure hospitalization in, in the previous four weeks. Um, I guess. We can save it at the end. I don't have too much to say about it, but there was a, a trial called the Impulse trial looking at empagliflozin in acute heart failure, um, and it was it was good data as well. So we do have some data now in acute heart failure, but in these, it is um, chronic heart failure that is not decompensated. All right. All right. So I guess um, before we jump any further with the heart failure studies, we should, we do need to mention the the fourth you know, kid to the party, so to speak, um, just because they it, that came around, um, you know, and got approved around the same time. Um, the the ertogliflozin, um, ertoglatro, uh, was the fourth member in this class, at least in the U.S. Um, their cardiovascular data came out in November of 2020. So, again, a little bit late to the party. Their big claim to fame from an overall just use in patients with diabetes was their cost, 
Um, and so they, they were about a little more than half the price of the other SGLT2 inhibitors, at least at the time. Um, and so they some of the Medicaid plans and stuff, I remember, um, I don't know if this is still the case. I haven't run into this problem too much, but I know in South Carolina, anyways, this, the, uh, some of the Medicaid plans preferred that one and would not let you use Jardiance or um, Depagliflozin. They would only let you use Stiglatra, which seems a little bit sketchy. But um, you know, the A1C, you still get some, you know, the lowering of, you know, from the diabetes standpoint, but the cardiovascular data that came out um, was a little bit less impressive compared to its competitors. Um, so it was one of those things that, you know, we didn't really see um, the the change in really any of the major cardiovascular outcomes that they were looking for. Um, heart failure hospitalizations did seem to be um, some benefit there. And, um, and maybe uh, from a, a renal was like trending towards um, being a little bit beneficial, but there was not the cardiovascular mortality, MI, stroke, or any of that um, benefit that we saw like with the other ones. And um, amputation, uh, was the p-value was greater than, they just put greater than 0.05. So it's was like, mm, how, clo- mm. how close were you there, amputation <laughs> risk? Um, I think the the thought process with the, with that and what they were worried about, I guess, because of the the diuretic effect, you might get some hypoperfusion distally, and that can lead to you know increased risk of um, you know depriving those for those digits uh, of, of of oxygen, and can lead to increased you know vascular problems and, and amputation. Right. But uh, yeah, so that study was kind of you know, a little bit of a, a letdown, I guess, as far as like the whole class effect thing. So they're definitely not created equal. They've um, been preaching that. Well, they've been screaming about it for a long time, but it's, you, there, there's too much justification to say that there is not necessarily a class effect yeah. for these. There are preferred ones. Yeah. And I've, I've told my story about the one, the one rep for this program saying that, for this drug saying that, I don't know why we get so caught up on it. Cause I asked him about, you know, well, why do we, why should I use this one? But you know, based on the outcome stuff, and he's like, I just, I don't know why we get so caught up on outcomes. And I like, I looked at the, one of my PA buddies, that's uh, Alex, that's been on the podcast. We just kind of looked at each other and we looked back and we're like, um, we kind of want our patients to live. <laughs> so like, I, I think, what else is there to get caught up? What on? else are we going to get caught up on? The fact that you're not making enough sales, the like, money, like, it's, like I, I don't know. I appreciate the, you know, the, the, uh, the sandwich from Chick-fil-A or whatever, they <laughs> have, but that's a weird thing to say at a, and he's a pharmacist too. I was like, dude, you're making us look bad. It's you're uh, supposed to be on my team. I mean, you know, I feel for the people who work with those drugs that have better drugs, but then have to try to convince you to prescribe that's got to be so, tough. Yeah. I would be the worst at that. Is there is there any reason? There's no reason you, you to, to prescribe you, his medicine. You have to just be a, you'd have to be like, go off of like, like which ones are getting, uh, I think their big thing was like, hey, if it's a Medicaid, they'll only pay for this right. one. So you have to use it's all crap, based on some, crappier drug. some nonsense contract that's yeah. been established. But yeah, I would be the worst salesman for that. Could you imagine? Yeah. Like if it was like Trulisi or, you know, Manjaro or something I really believe in, I'd be, I think I'd be a good salesman. If I had to go in there and like you know sell Genuvia, like mm-hmm. hey, this is our. Never mind, this drug sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I, I gotta be honest with you guys. See, I would be a terrible salesman, regardless. Mm-hmm. But that would be so much worse. And what would stink is maybe you get hired on and you're doing this great drug that's like number and one. All and all of a sudden, like, stuff. you know, what? we're gonna transfer you right. Over and here. then you get moved, and it's like I can either quit my job or I can try to sell this thing. <laughs> that's <laughs> tough. Might be quitting your job. Yeah, I don't know, but it's not like you, it's not like you can just you know. Ugh. 
it's, it's tough. That's yeah. why. I, that's that's why, not my, I, that's not my space. Yeah. And I try to be nice to him when I talk to, him, but I do have. I mean, sometimes it's like they're just going on and on about how great the drug. And I'm like, yeah, but why is it great? I know. Can you just give me a? Re- I need a reason. I know. And sometimes it's uh, like you know one of those things. Yeah. Anyways, all right. So, ertragliflozin um, probably the least on my uh, list of SGLT2s. That's the one I kind of save for if I have no other choice. Yeah. Medicaid's making me, um, but. Uh, we definitely have more data in the heart failure space, which has um, gotten a lot of people excited. Um, so with empagliflozin, we had both the emperor-reduced and the emperor-preserved studies that came out. And, you know, when the emperor-preserved study first got kind of released, the, the primary composite um, was cardiovascular death and heart failure hospitalizations. And they said it was like, oh, they met primary, you know, outcome. I was so excited because we haven't had a, a medication and preserved ejection fraction that actually prolongs life and ever, you know, spermatone is the closest we got. And that's kind of murky with the top cat trial. Right. But I was like, Oh heck yeah. Finally. And they were like, uh, driven by hospitalizations. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, preserved ejection fraction. You've done it again. That being said, it's not bad. No, it's still not. good. It's just not what we have in heart in, in heifer. Yeah. It's very interesting, isn't it? It is that, like, no matter, like we've tried all these different classes and you know, one of those things we just don't really see. It feels like it's going to have to be something novel. Yeah. I don't know enough about it. I feel like we probably heard some pretty good ideas from that guest we had on when we talked about it. Mm-hmm. The cardiologist. Yeah, but I've already forgotten everything that was said on that podcast. You should go back and listen to it. I should. It's on Spotify. I should have before You can this listen episode. to it anytime you want. Sure can. Um, yeah, but at least we have something. So I was yeah. chatting with the authors of the up-to-date article the other day <laughs> on a heart failure with a preserved ejection fraction, and they suggest any patient be on with HEF-PEF, be on an SGLT2 and a mineral spironolactone, yeah. essentially. Um, that They suggest both that mm-hmm. over one or the other, even though there's not really, we don't have data of them being used together in this instance. Um, they still suggest both. I think the guidelines themselves actually rate the, the evidence for SGLT2 inhibitors a little bit better I, I believe. Um, but I, I know anecdotally, I can tell, say for sure that um, I was working with a patient um, who was seeing me for hypertension and, and had to have a history of HEFPEF, hadn't been to the um, cardiologist in quite some time, um, was having really bad dyspnea and, and was just really symptomatic, fluid overload. Um, got, kind of got meds started back, but I had mentioned the, you know, using Jardians and, you know, we have Jardians really cheap at our pharmacy. And, and so, you know, she being uninsured, she hadn't even thought about that before, kind of explained it, you know, how it works and all that. Started just Jardians 10 milligrams, which is actually what they used in the uh, Emperor Preserve study. And, um, you know, within probably, I think she came back about three weeks. She's like, I have never felt better. Um, like, she's like, I'm, I'm like walking like down the street and back now and getting some exercise. She's like, it was ecstatic about it. And I was like, look at that guidelines work. That's great. So what, I mean, what were people doing before this? I feel like whenever I would hear have PEF, I'd be like, we don't have anything to treat it with. They were treating underlying conditions. I know yeah. that, but were they not using spironolactone? So I know there was, I think they were. And that, that yeah, the whole controversial with, uh, with, you know, the, the levels not being found in patients that were involved in the, um, in Russia and Overseas. Georgia and stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, all that aside, like, I think that's the closest we had, you know, it had gotten to any kind of like benefit from more so than just a hospitalization standpoint. Um, but yeah, I think it's just one of those things they were just kind of trying their best. And these patients, you are going to kind of do it regardless, but it is suggested to get a BNP mm-hmm. or, a, um, in terminal pro BNP. 
uh, and you can monitor that. They, they say if you start them on an SGLT2, which they suggest starting first, um, these are up-to-date articles, suggest starting first and then adding the spironolactone on a couple weeks later. Uh, if you see the BNP go down or normalize, don't you still should add on the spironolactone regardless in titrate 2 tolerability. Yeah. And I'm going to change it back over to the computer screen here. Just, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever seen these infographics that um, cardio nerds do, but they're really cool. They do a lot of uh, the new cardiology studies that come out. Um, they'll do like these very nice infographics. This is the episode of shout outs for our colleagues. I know. So um, I, I like these guys a lot. Though. I kind of stumbled across these one day. They have a, they have a podcast and stuff as well. Um, but uh, their infographics, I really like. I'm, like I said earlier, I'm a big picture guy, so I like stuff like this. Very easy, but yeah, I, I saved a lot of these, and they're free. You can like see on their website here. You can get on, on all these. You're the big picture guy, and I'm the details guy. Yeah, there you go. It's a joke. <laughs> well, not a joke, but a play on the big picture. All right. Do you have anything on um, Emperor Reduced? Uh, yeah. So um, going back to Hefref, so we talked about the DAPA HF. Uh, and then after that, this was 2020, I guess about a year later, uh, from DAPHF, the Emperor Reduced was released, and this was Empagliflozin's uh, heart failure study. Um, bottom line, with or without type 2 diabetes, there was a reduction in cardiovascular mortality um, and hospitalization for the progression of heart failure. Um, breaking it down a little bit, that was a composite um, with the hospitalizations for heart failure specifically it was of course significant um and i didn't see anything about um separating out mortality by itself it look i don't think mortality was actually statistically different right right so well i i didn't even see where they separated so i guess it i would presume that it wasn't because what's really weird about that is if you think and i guess it goes back to like the inclusion criteria and all that but if you look at emporeg outcomes Granted, they used the 20 and 25 milligram doses, but you had the cardiovascular mortality on top of the hospitalization due to heart failure risk reduction. Um, but then when you and then when you look at the flows in that declare Timmy, the initial study, they had the hospitalization due to heart failure risk reduction, but they didn't have the mortality. And then all of a sudden, it's like flip flopped in heart failure. In heart failure, the actual heart failure study. I know. Very strange. So it's interesting. So if you have a patient with diabetes and heart failure, which one do you go with? I personally go with Jardians. That's what I would do and, too. And then if it's not, if it's just heart failure, then the other thing is, you know, the, the patients what? in Empereg were not as cardiovascularly, uh, didn't have as high of a cardiovascular risk right. as the declares, you know, patients did. So right. that could be, that could throw it off. Does it matter like their control of diabetes versus control of heart failure? Like if it's really severe heart failure, a lot of exacerbations, but they've got diabetes, but they're just like hanging around, you know. Seven, just everything's good versus a you mean really it's how I pick between the two. I'm, I'm just wondering if that yeah. would sway you or you'd still go with Jardians. Yeah, I mean, I think at that point I would be a little bit more. I think the data is more compelling with the cardiovascular protection and diabetes. Yeah, for impagal flows. For impagal flows. But with now diabetes, then the pangle flows impossibly, even though you get, but you can't really compare them like that. So that's where it gets hard. Right. We're just basically having our own conversation now. You guys are just <laughs> I'm just thinking about what I would We're just do. pontificating. I don't think there's a wrong answer. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. And I see both of them being utilized by cardiologists locally. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I've, I've used myself more Jardins because it is cheaper for us. Um, and the other thing is, did you happen to see anything of why they use 10 milligrams and not 25? I did not. I'm wondering if it was the potassium risk with since they're already on 
Although that's antagonist and, that's and all that, but I because mean, because in the um, Emperor Reg, I bet they weren't on as many potassium increasing medications. Yeah, I wouldn't think. So that's interesting. But yeah, it's just like I don't know why they did ten and twenty five in the Emperor Reg, but then they jumped to just the ten when it came to the Emperor studies. So it's kind of kind of weird. I'm sure there's a reason for that that we probably could have found, but they did mention it's volume too late. volume depletion was greater than. Placebo in Emperor reduced, and I'm I'm sure that um, it would have been more significant with higher doses as well, yeah. because these patients are also going to be on loop diuretics for the mm-hmm. most part. But I guess DAPA HF they would have been as well. And the the uh, renal dose limits um, or renal dose um, cutoffs, like a threshold, I guess, um, is was a lot lower in this. It wasn't I think Emperor Preserved was like down to twenty, if I remember correctly. I'm pulling it up, um, but. Uh, See, I hope I'm right about that. As I just blurted it out, sometimes I should check. I thought I had it right in front of me. Do you see? It I don't see a, a a floor. I see that um, over fifty percent had an EGFR less than sixty, but I don't see what they excluded. That's weird. I could have sworn. Maybe I'm thinking of the uh, renal studies. I don't know. I but I do. I believe it was lower. And and basically the the thought process with just to kind of throw this out there, it's a little off topic, but, um, and we saw this with that study that Cole mentioned earlier, the Credence trial um, with canagliflozin. When you add canagliflozin into a RAS uh, inhibition um, therapy, you're basically, you know, the, the renal protection that you get will maintain over the course of a patient's renal function declining. However, the A1C lowering ability starts to decline. So like the, the A1C lowering from like baseline to, you know, as the renal function declines, sort of like eventually meets placebo, but the renal benefits main are, are still there. They remain behind. So it's one of those things that, you know, just because they have the renal dose limits doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily, we still have our, our cutoffs, but it doesn't mean that we're, you know, we're going to cause harm necessarily like when we get down to like 30 and whatnot, but we're just, we can't expect to have that A1C lowering, to be to the same extent, right? Um, and, but the the medications can still be beneficial from both kidney and heart failure standpoints, and that makes sense from their mechanism yeah. of action standpoint. But I think that's yeah, that's an important thing. I feel like it's overlooked a lot too. So that's empagliflozin and can and uh, uh, farsiga dapagliflozin. But um, I'm just gonna start using the brand names. Invocana. <laughs> We're done. We try. We try our best. <laughs> I said it for a while, and I'm going with brand names. Invocana does not have a strong heart failure study like this. You know if one's ongoing or if they're not. I have to look. I'm not familiar. Uh, They have the data. I guess it's mainly taking it from Canvas, I presume. But um, patients with diabetes, you have a heart failure hospitalization benefit, but you don't have any more any uh, information in patients without diabetes. Yeah. Plus, they they report instead of number needed to treat, which is that's what I like. I like number needed to treat. Very simple for my tiny brain to understand. They do the thousand patient years. They do the thousand patient years. I'm like, don't you dare put that. (laughs) I instantly hate your study if you put that. Now I have to go in, convert thousand patient years to number needed to treat. And and if you think I'm going to do the math, you're crazy. I'm going to immediately Google the calculator (laughs) and convert it. But it's a much higher number needed to treat than the. I don't understand. The only thing I can. 
it makes me wonder when we say these things if there's something oh, statistically I, I going would, on behind the scenes that we just don't understand in any way. I shape, would, or form. I would guarantee that's the case. There's somebody who's really good at you know stats. It's going these two people are the dumbest guys ever. You know how you have to put patient information on like a what is it an eighth grade reading level or something mm-hmm. like that. You need to keep these studies to a Mike and Cole reading level, right? Which is definitely which is number needed. Middle to treat, school at the best. P values, confidence intervals. That's all, even, no, that's, don't even put confidence intervals. I need a P well, value that less I can than understand. one greater than one. I got that. Maybe, but you know, the the statistical tests that don't show a p value, they show some other nonsense. Yeah, yeah. don't do that. Don't do to that. Us. That's rude. Don't do that. To us. Yeah, it's embarrassing. It makes me feel dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so, what about uh, that uh, SGLT one and two? I know. It kind of reminds me of Taglaflozin. Kind of reminds me of the. Um, ah, Escaping me now, but the GLP one, one oh, and the GIP GLP one, GIP GLP one. Yeah, it's like hitting two different it, things. It's now. very much like that, except it doesn't, doesn't work. work as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now the uh, for those of you who are not familiar with that, um, the study was called uh, Soloist WHF trial, um, and that one came out, I believe, in twenty twenty one, early twenty twenty one, and um, they were kind of following the same you know trends of, of trying to show that. You, uh, when the primary composite of, of heart failure, hospitalizations, urgent care visits, and cardiovascular death would be reduced, which that composite was, but unfortunately, it was again being driven by hospitalizations, urgent care visits, not cardiovascular death. Uh, when you separate them out, secondary outcomes, uh, cardiovascular death was not um, significantly different from placebo. Uh, but this is a SGLT2, SGLT1 dual inhibitor. So the on the SGLT2 side, you're getting the um, increased urinary glucose excretion and diuresis and all that. And then the SGLT1 inhibition side, you're getting the delayed intestinal glucose absorption. And, you know, the thought process would you do that synergistic activity of both of those transporters that you would get better um, results. But we're not really. Um, I'm, I don't even know if this drug is... It's not, it hasn't been approved in I know, this country, I, was, I don't believe. Well, I was seeing that it was investigational, so I was trying, but I saw that, but then I also saw it has a brand name of Zinquista. But I th- I think so I don't, I maybe feel that's like, in a I feel different like that's country. overseas, yeah. Um, if only there was a website called LexiCamp or Pearls or anything like that that would have it on there. I will say LexiCamp probably will have this one if it's in, located in another. As far as I can tell. It's. I really can't. I don't know. I'm. I'm, I'm going to say no. I'm almost positive it's not approved. I'm going to say no. Not approved. We're really, you know, kind the of going new into drug that. application was accepted in July. Okay, but not actually not approved. Approved yet? Okay, good job. Okay. Thanks, Google. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah, and it's, they have a nice breakdown of this one. I'll show you uh, on my screen real quick. Um. For those again pulling up, shout out to Cardio Nerds, but they have put in another really good infographic kind of showing this one. Um, but yeah, so it's out there again. Cardiovascular um, mortality was not affected, so we're still falling just slightly short of that, that goalpost. It had some interesting side effects too in that trial. Diarrhea was about twice the placebo was, which I don't usually associate it's, with it's that. It's the SGLT1 shield. component. SGLT1. Uh, and then severe hypoglycemia was, of course, significantly higher. Yeah, because you're, you're delaying that intestinal glucose absorption. So it's, just cr- it's basically like affecting the GI tract, almost like a metformin, I would, I would think. Yeah. So, Is there any other drug like that? I think there's an SGLT, um, SGLT1 inhibitor that's like for something completely different. I can't remember what it's used for, but there is something that's approved. But it's something that we never deal with. Interesting. Um, 
Let's see, I'm Googling stuff. This is, this is the episode of just Googling. We're learning right <laughs> along with you guys. It's the best way to fact check us. Yeah, and AJ's, not, AJ's studying tonight, so he's not here to to fact check us since he got, he got on me so quick last time. Accused me of making up my own <laughs> questions. So disrespectful. <laughs> we missed you, AJ. Um, but yeah, this is uh, this JLT um, one inhibitor is talked about as the main one that keeps coming up is that sodaglyphosin. Yeah. But um, primarily this one. Yeah. I thought I could have sworn there was another drug that was just that, but I, I don't know. Whatever. Uh, maybe I'm, you know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of GLP, GLP2. Instead of GLP one, there's a GLP two that I was like, I was like, what is that? It doesn't exist. I looked it up. I was like, crap, <laughs> it exists. It's a thing. Yeah, that's what it is. I'm so. also seeing that they're trying to get this sodaglyphosin approved for type one diabetes, which I don't really understand how that would be more beneficial. I don't really understand just either. from the GI effects. It's an it, old, old press release, but maybe that might end up happening. Super old, like 2021. No, it's older than that. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I think ultimately the, these, these meds are going to be very widely utilized. The more the data comes out, Cole, you mentioned the uh, acute, um, it was decompensated heart failure, right? Um, with the impagliflozin, the impulse study. Yes. Decom- it was acute. They called it acute heart failure, but yeah, because that was kind of the, the big piece of the puzzle that we didn't have. We have a lot of data now in chronic heart failure, but we didn't really have anything in acute heart failure, but it did show promise. Uh, I can't remember the, I'm not looking at the exact outcomes, but I believe it was um, reduced hospitalization or reduced time to hospitalization. And uh, along with some other things like the Kansas uh, quality uh, symptom score was improved and that sort of thing. And I believe they got it started. They got it started in the hospital, I think 24 hours after um, admission up to five days uh, and it could have been uh, what they called a de novo um, acute heart failure, like a new onset acute heart failure or a decompensation, and they saw similar outcomes. I like how you said you don't remember anything about it, and you just went on. I, I had to see it in my these, brain as yeah. I was talking. Cole has a photographic memory, everyone. <laughs> you heard it here first. I wish. He's just staring off into space and just quoting the study. Well, I also see, um, going back to sodaglyphosin, that since that old article happened, the, um, the approval for... Um, Type one diabetes was denied. So, yeah, <laughs> turns out it doesn't we work. We got hope, and then it was dashed. Yeah, <laughs> in, in in the same episode. Yeah. Oh, how the tables have turned. Um, do we have anything else we want to go over with SGLT twos? I know it's kind of like a very broad overview, but it was broad. But I mean, we went into more detail on some of the studies than we have in the past. But no, we threw a lot of names at you. And so try to internalize a few <laughs> and flip them on your colleagues and say, "Hey, have you heard of you heard of Impulse?" Yeah. Have you heard of this one? Also, if you guys haven't noticed, anytime I'm like, I bring up something that could be kind of taken as a negative about the episode, Cole, during the episode, will point out that we did a great job. <laughs> He's very positive. <laughs> totally flip it on his yeah, head. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, no, 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 I think we did great. Disagree completely. Yeah, disagree. No, it's good. It's good. We need his positivity around here. Um, I also want to make sure that uh, we mention um, our podcast sponsor, Pearls, P-Y-R-L-S, um, is a fantastic drug info app that is getting bigger and bigger each month. I'm going to switch over to my computer screen again because they got brand new CDC pneumonia vaccine recommendations updated for 2022 with our PCV uh, 20 and 15 recommendations on there now, um, as well as the um, influenza vaccines that are updated for 2022, um, 2023 flu seasons, which is upon us basically. And um, 
that kind of breaks down all the age recommendations and the available products, um, but those are all available. So if you are not a Pearl's uh, subscriber, go to your computer or your phone, and, you know, pull up Google Chrome or whatever you use, put in pearls.com slash core consult RX. You'll get a welcome friends of core consult RX because that's you guys. And uh, you can get a free account with some free PDF downloads, some really nice charts. And if you do like it, definitely encourage you to check out the paid version. Uh, there's so many good things on here. And it, again, it grows every time I pull like the website up there's more and more stuff added so um, Derek's doing a great job and we really appreciate his support of our podcast and core consult in general so you know I just uh, you know appreciate his help and make sure you guys uh, give give him a look check it out and sign up for at least a free account see what you think for sure um, also again uh, if you haven't checked out free CE's uh, websites again from the video version I'm just kind of giving you a few examples you can go up to here to learn um, click on podcasts and you will see a whole list of uh, podcasts that are now accredited um, based on various topics. And, you know, um, we really appreciate uh, FarmCon FreeCE continuing to work with us. And I was looking back actually randomly through some emails, and it's like it's been over a year that we've been working with them now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we have quite a few episodes banked. So you can uh, notice even on some of mine, there are, these are, this is my wife's account, actually, so you can see she's doing my own. She's getting her CE from my <laughs> podcast. <laughs> And I was, she was like, can I have the answers? I said, no. I need to see you learning and passing those tests. Been here long enough that some of them are going to start expiring. I, I think know. they stay up for like two years or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Well, 2023, I think, is the earliest one. Yeah, okay. So we're good. good. You guys got plenty of time. Plenty of time. Check out that unlimited membership. You can't go wrong. There's so much good stuff on there. Um, Cole and I both use it even well before we were um, working with them. But uh, big thanks to FreeCE.com. Check them out. If you have any questions for Cole or myself, um, you can reach us uh, via email. That will be in the show notes. We have um, you know the social media you know platforms available. If you want to send us a DM, if you want to be a little bit cooler than email, um, you can reach us via text. That will be uh, in the show notes as well. Um, you can also click the text button on Instagram, and it will take you right to the, the phone number. Um, do you want to tell them what to expect in episode 200 or still keep it a secret? Let's yeah. Yeah. We can tell them. So we, I talked to our good friend and, and mentor, uh, Dr. Wayne Wirt. And so he has agreed to come back on. He was the, the, uh, probably the Jedi Knight of, um, to, to use a Star Wars reference, the, the, the best to. way to say the, it. the Jedi Knight of, Jedi of pharmacotherapy. Um, I, every time I start to feel like I'm getting a handle on pharmacotherapy, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I just go hang out with him for 10 minutes and I get humbled very quickly. So he's, uh, he's done more in his career than I think I could ever even dream of doing. And, um, he's still rocking and rolling in the seventies. And so he has been gracious enough to uh, come back. He was there for us on episode hundred. Um, he's come back for episode 200 and, um, uh, we're very thankful to have him back and taking his time. It's pretty crazy that someone like that who people pay all over the country here speak and he's just going to come hang out with us and he's coming in studio too. Oh, nice. Yes. So yeah, very excited about that. Um, it was, was it COVID days? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That's why he was virtual last yep. time. So he said, I asked him if he, you know, I gave now, he said, yeah, I'll come, you know, give me the address. Nice. So he's, yeah, he's coming from hot dog ministry. Oh, he goes and nice. he's in his seventies and he's still cooking hot dogs and I'm um, handing them out to home, the homeless, uh, downtown Charleston. Um, probably one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah. So big, big, uh, I, I owe him a lot of thanks to, in my career from his mentorship, but we'll hang out with him, hear about, uh, what's going on. I told him maybe we can even get his thoughts on what, what got him excited as far as new drugs and 
all that fun stuff. So make sure you check that out. If you have any questions for him or anything like that, shoot us an email. We'll make sure that uh, we ask him. And uh, other than that, anything else, Cole? That's all I got. AJ, who's not here, we'll just pretend he is. <laughs> he's, got, <laughs> he's got nothing else either. Um, good luck to him and his test. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Next time coming up, episode 200. See you then. Have a good night. Bye.